0: If we have played our part well, offering love where it was needed, strength and caring where they were lacking, if we have tended the earth and its creatures with a sense of humble stewardship, we will have done enough.
1: This is the Imperfect Dad MD Podcast, where I'm helping dads, like myself, embrace their parenting imperfections and rediscover what it means to be a dad in the 21st century. Hello and welcome to the Imperfect Dad MD Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jeremy Toffel, and today's episode is an interview, um, a very special interview. In my mind, it is me talking to my dad, and um, I think for me, it's a really important one. And, And the reason why is I talk a lot on this podcast, and I will be talking a lot on this podcast, on how the role of dad has changed. When you think about the 21st century dad versus a 20th century dad, Even the 20th century dad has shifted from early to mid to late 20th century. There's really no set rules in today's world and what it means to be a dad. And I wanted to talk to my dad and see how the role of dad changed in his life from him and his parents and the parents before them. And my dad is a brilliant memory and he knows quite a bit without having to look anything up. So you'll pick that up as he's talking in this interview. And I I hope you can get something from it because I know a lot of times we feel like we may be lost and we may be having a hard time understanding what our role is in everyday life as a, as a father figure. And I think because that role has changed so much in this last generation that it's really hard to know where you're supposed to start. And sometimes you can't know where to start without knowing where the people were before us. So I hope you take a listen. Hope you get something out of this interview. If you haven't done it yet, please subscribe to the podcast. You know, anytime you subscribe, it'll let you know when our next episode comes out to hopefully help you with uh, any other issues you're having in terms of being a dad, embracing your imperfections. The other thing, too, is that if you're listening and you're enjoying these or they're helping you, you feel like they're helping someone else, please leave a review. The more reviews we get, the higher the reviews we get, the higher this podcast can be within search lists. And that helps other dads out there like yourself and like myself uh, embrace their imperfections and, and really help them rediscover what they were meant to be as a father. So without more, here we go. All right. I am here with my dad, Roger. Dad, how's it going? I'm doing fine. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for joining me on this. I know this is kind of weird now. But um so yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on um what it really means to be a dad coming from what you grew up as and what you knew turn and and then how you felt like it was when I was little and how you see it now with having grandkids. Like do you feel like it's changed or, or what how would you interpret being a dad, I guess?
0: Well, I think it in, in my perspective is that it has changed. But I, I think one of the the, the big questions is whether uh, people ha- were concerned about the same thing in the past that we seem to be concerned about now. I mean, if you 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 look at what some of the old Greek philosophers and all those people that they, they all had concerns, but all of their concerns seem, seem to be more about you know, their interactions with their sons. They didn't talk a whole lot about their interactions with their daughters, they were always concerned that they made their sons be, be extra special or whatever, I, I <laughs> guess, is what they were doing. But, yeah, I never really got that perspective, I think, growing up, at least in the days. And I, I just, just kind of assumed that had always been that way, looking at my uh, grandparents and great grandparents but i I think part of the difference is for our family is that we're just off the boat in some ways (laughs) because uh our families really didn't come here to the late 1800s early 1900s and so for them they were just trying to uh create an environment where they would have enough to eat because i i know for my grandfather from sweden his uh family had a very small farm and his uh, dad didn't make a living as a farmer but he made a living as a carpenter and he was gone a lot and he was building lighthouses around the baltic ocean and different places and then he made charcoal and did these other kinds of things but i don't really you know it wasn't something that my grandfather spoke to me about in terms of his relationship with his dad. I mean, granted, my grandfather primarily wanted to speak Swedish to me, which didn't work very well, <laughs> but, but he, uh, he really, you know, so I have no idea what their relationship was. And I know my perspective, my, my relationship of, my, of him with his children, Again, you know, he was, you know, they were all living on the farm. But I think my grandmother was sort of in charge in, in a lot of ways. But and I'm not, and I don't really remember my mom or my aunts talking about any kind of things that they did with their dad or how their dad influenced their life or did all of those types of things. It was again mainly my, my grandmother. So I, I, I think from the standpoint of what my great grandparents you know, my grandparents were at least on my mom's side of the family was just trying to make a living and provide for the family and that was that was all you your role was you didn't have to do anything else. Yeah. I think and from my, my dad's side of the family, my great grandfather, he had kind of a Notorious temper and <laughs> and I don't know that he really had much to do with this. He came over uh, from Prussia on the boat, uh, and his his family history we aren't really sure of. But his his basic again, you know, came from poverty, and they were just trying to he was just trying to make a living on a farm to. His family and I don't know. They know that he had any uh, felt any other responsibilities other than that. And then my grandfather on my dad's side, he was uh, he was an engineer on the Great Northern Railroad, so he was gone a lot. And then later, when they moved to Minnesota, he uh, again he was away a lot, working different places. And then he worked in the cedar yards and did all those kinds of things. But I'm not really, I've not heard stories of him interacting with uh, his sons or his daughters or anything. And he was killed in a motor vehicle crash when my dad was 16. So that relationship was kind of shortened. So, But again, I I think his primarily responsibility was to try to make sure the family had enough to eat and, and that was it. And then for my dad, um, growing up through the Great Depression, he was always convinced that we were going to go back into another depression. So his primary thing was always to make sure that we had plenty of food and available and stored away and whatnot. So he would, so he worked away as a forester. So he wasn't there up until I was age twelve. He only came home on weekends because of the road situation where I grew up but we lived on a farm and basically the farm was so that we would make sure we had plenty to eat and then his job was to you know buy the other things that we didn't grow and but I think his primarily his thought was to be a provider but also I think in some ways to teach us how to provide for ourselves in the sense that you know he the things that I really did with my dad were hunting and fishing and those types of things. But that was the, the, the pr- primary, everything that we did with him other than that was work. You know, you either worked in the fields or you worked in the woods and that was, that, that was how you kind of related to your father. But I, I never really saw him as some being somebody that worried about being anything other than the provider.
1: So how do you think that maybe it changed or affected you when you got to be a dad? I mean, you know, you guys had first Audrey out in San Diego, you moved to Italy, which is, I think, you know, that's such a big change there. And then you guys came back. I mean, do you feel like that affected you at all? Or do you feel like think times were changing enough by then that it, it kind of, you felt like the role was changing a little bit or. Yeah. You know, I'm not it's
0: surprising in some way. I don't, really remember in terms of any obvious societal expectations about particularly at the time that I was in medical school and uh, doing my residency in San Diego. I mean, the, the whole conflict there was, you know, your role as a physician versus your role as a father. And traditionally, the it was sort of like with the Marine, if we'd have meant for you to have a family, we'd have packed it in your sea bag, <laughs> you know? So it was the same thing with kind of with medicine was the thought was that your job is to be committed to your patients. And once you've accomplished that, if you've given them everything, then any time that you might left to have over then okay, then then it's okay to have a family and do that. But, Again, it was. I think initially, when I was when I first met your mom, and we were in school and med school and stuff, I think that was, you know, mainly thinking about your role as a provider.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But then I think it was really when we got to be uh, overseas, and I was in the Navy there in a naval hospital. You know, by that time we had your older sister, Summer, and and uh, you know, she and I spent an awful lot of time together. And I think it was that at that point, I uh, my whole view of fatherhood changed. I think it was just uh, your mom was going to school overseas, so I mean, Summer was going into the hospital with me. She was doing with me when I was coaching sports, she was doing all these things. So I, all of a sudden I think I had this different perspective on kind of the relationship you could have with your kids. It was when we were overseas, cause there was a little more, there was more time. Life was even as busy as we were working, the attitude of living in Italy was such that you just had more time, it seemed like.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it seems like time now. There's every, there's so much going on at once nowadays. It's it's hard to find that time. So, yeah, I
0: think even back when we moved back to Minnesota, I was doing a fellowship, and and you guys were born. I mean, it, all of a sudden, that time element wasn't there. And, and then we moved here to Morgantown. I think the time element was also again limited, but still, I, I think definitely different than what i did with you and your sisters was a lot different than what my dad did but then of course i didn't teach you how to fish or how to hunt so maybe (laughs) maybe there was a trade-off there i guess well we had
1: we had cats to do the fishing and the hunting for us you know I, i still have the memories of you know in the basement with the you know tape up on the cement walls trying to learn to pitch and that you know didn't pan out well for me i guess i wasn't this never meant to be a baseball player but i mean you know we had i remember getting pushed around in the wheelbarrow when the house was being built and and those kind of things too i have those kind of memories
0: yeah i think we i think we tried to do a lot more i mean we took we for example we never took vacations when i was growing up because vacation time was when you did my dad would come home and we'd put up hay and do all the the field work and that type of stuff so we never went anywhere yeah that was a totally i had to learn how to do that with you guys (laughs) because i i didn't have any uh examples of how you were supposed to go on vacation and go to the beach and go here and go there i'd never even
1: I had no role models for that whatsoever. <laughs> so I was learning on the fly. Yeah. I think I still struggle sometimes. Like if, when we, when we've gone to the beach, Amy's like, all right, we're just supposed to sit and we're supposed to relax. And I'm like, I, I got to do something. I can't just sit. So yeah. And I felt like that's how it was though. When I was, when we were at the beach, you know, growing up when we'd go, it's like, I feel like me and Allie would kind of wander off and everybody else would be kind of just sitting there. <laughs> we just disappear for a while. But. And I think it's interesting. I mean, you know, even thinking about that, you know, I have memories of being a kid and, you know, we would wake up in the morning in the summer, grab our bikes and say, all right, we're going over to so-and-so's house. We'll see you later. And we might not get back till after dinner time, And there was really no second thought to it. It seemed like and nowadays, I feel like if, if you do that, someone's calling CPS on you or something like that. I mean, I feel like just, just in my lifetime, those that kind of ability to let your kid grow and be versus now it seems so different.
0: Well, I, you know, like I definitely grow up as a free range child growing up on the farm in the woods. I mean, we would just take off and do things and things that, you know, like you say, would now qualify as child abuse. We just, you know, in terms of working on the farm and being out on the tractor at a very young age and doing things, I mean, it, it was a totally different world and I, and I, i uh, regret that my grandchildren can't live that way' mm-hmm. it, i think it 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 gives you it gives you a chance to uh, experiment and explore and and if you screw up, you screwed up yeah. <laughs> you know and you, and you have to take responsibility for it when you do it oh that wasn't the right thing to do. I'll try something different next time you
1: know yeah yeah its it does it feels like things are definitely a lot more sheltered and I think harder to let kids just um, sometimes do that failure and learn from it. Like you said, I mean, so much of, you know, school and everything nowadays too, is just so focused on, you know, getting the right test scores or doing the right thing on your exams or what projects or whatever it is. And it's, it's, there's not a lot of room in life to find time to learn how to fail and, and come back from it. It seems like.
0: Well, even in sports, I mean, you guys used to still, football and stuff in the neighborhood in somebody's yard and whatnot. But nowadays, every athletic activity has always got to be organized. There's always mm-hmm. an adult screwing it up. Because, <laughs> I mean, the kids used to be, we would made up our own rules, and you had to keep score, and so you had to do math in your head, and you had to do all those kinds of things. I mean, it was, I mean, and then if there were conflicts, you, you took care of them. You know, oh, yeah. granted, granted, sometimes <laughs> they were not there's blood and chests and whatnot, but you, you took care of it. You just, and then you went on and continued playing. You got over it, you know?
1: Yeah. No, those are, I still remember playing roller hockey up at the Hampton center with everybody. And there were, I, there was at least a couple of fights every single time. So <laughs> yeah, but I guess my, my last question would just be what, seeing how we are now with, with our kids as, you know, your grandkids, I mean, do you see, uh, do you feel like you see a huge difference? I mean, we kind of touched on the the freedom to do things and that kind of stuff, but I mean, maybe is that, is that dad role? Have you, do you feel like you see a difference in how that role of dad has changed from like your dad to you to where I'm at right now? I mean. Well, I think I see
0: a, a major difference between how, you know, you interact with your kids and how I think, oh, Barrett interacts with his daughters, you know, those types of things. It's it's uh I think in a lot of ways you're a lot closer to your children than I was. I guess I you know, I, I thought I was doing things with you, but when I look in comparison I say, Well that that was not even close to what you guys are doing, you know. So I, I there is that Sense of well, I should have been. I should have, would have, could have. But it, you know, once it's over with, you can't go back and change it. You can't do it. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. There's uh, all these different uh, <coughs> quotes of things that people that talk about fatherhood, and I, I think the one thing that uh, we're probably all guilty of, and maybe maybe it's more my generation, but we want you to be the person that we wanted to be, but didn't, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: didn't achieve it, you know, that we weren't uh, strong enough, smart enough, good enough to to do everything. And so we, we put a lot of, I guess in that way, put a lot of expectations on you to accomplish what we didn't do. Particularly, yeah, I, I think, as a, as a father and mother, just as a
1: person in general, I think. Yeah, I, I definitely see myself already doing that with the boys. And, you know, if they react a certain way to a situation or do something else, I'm like, I know you can do something different. I know you can do better. But I need to probably just let them figure that out a little bit on their own and not really ride them too much on it. Yeah, I mean, there's it's
0: it's just interesting looking at, different people's take on it and and, you know other people some people are very hands-on and then there's quotes from people just saying the best thing you can do is is just leave them alone and let them figure it out for themselves (laughs) and and I I think the one thing about you know in terms of what your kids are going to eventually do and whatnot I, I love the one quote I read by Harry Truman he says Ask your kids what they want to do and then encourage them to do it. Like you know, you're not gonna basically convince them to, to do any particular thing with their life, but once they tell you what they want to do, then say, Oh yeah, that's a good idea and, and, and <laughs> encourage encourage it, you know. So like you thought about it first, but no, you didn't. You're just trying to read them and, and kind of encourage them to do what it is they really want to do. I think in the past there was always this. Temptation to try to force kids to, to play roles or do things that they really didn't want to do in in terms of family expectations and you know you 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 need you're the eldest son you need to take over the farm kind of <laughs> stuff you know but I don't want to be a farmer well too bad that's the way it works you know kind of thing you know but yeah uh, but I I think from those types of things. We're more apt to let kids do what it is that they want to do. I think the one thing I was just thinking about was, you know, there's always this idea that each it's going to be better for each subsequent generation. Things are going to just, in every day and every way, things just keep getting better and better. And I think for my grandparents and great grandparents, their goal was that their kids' lives was going to be easier than theirs was, but. I think nowadays in terms of the reality is in terms of economics and whatnot, that isn't always going to be the case nowadays, the way life is. Your kids may not have enjoyed the same economic things that you did, not through any fault of their own or anything. It's just the way things are. Number two, they may choose to do something that, makes them happy that really doesn't make all that much money, but they're happy doing it. So fine. That's good.
1: Yeah yeah you know it's it's funny you kind of talk about how like you know your parents wanted things to be easier and, and i'm i'm worried things are getting too easy now like i you know i look at how cars are right now and i keep talking to gavin like all right when when you're you know he's only eight right now so he's only halfway to driving basically and it's and it's kind of like well when you're driving this what you do this way you do and then i'm like man when you're eight, 16 you might not have to drive your own car like it might just be doing it for you i mean there's not going to be any stick shifts out there that i can cheat you on you know going up west virginia hills and throwing you out on the highway to Fairmont and figure out how to do it and things like yeah. that. And so it's, um, I, I, it's almost kind of this sense of when is it going to be too easy and are we just going to go backwards?
0: Well, I think there's just like with that, with driving, there's just that pleasure mm-hmm. of handling a car. Yeah. Maybe the artificial intelligence could do a better job of it than we do, but there's just that, kind of enjoyment that pleasure of driving and you know particularly with a stick shift and whatnot and going through turns and doing playing you're just playing you know it's fun if somebody's going to take that game away from you it's just it's not that's just not fair i don't want it you know
1: (laughs) well any other final thoughts or tips or anything you can think of like if someone came up and asked you hey if you had one tip to give to a new dad or something like that what would it be
0: well I think uh,
1: and my, my problem is
0: is it's hard for me to have uh, an original thought but there's this one author from northern Minnesota that I that I really like that he, he's written a lot of book about Native American cultures and, and whatnot but he also wrote a book about letters to my son a father's wisdom on manhood but life and love but he says yeah, I think we 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 don't, we make it too difficult for ourselves sometimes, and have too high of expectations. But but his comment was, if, if we have played our part well, offering love where it was needed, strength and caring where they were lacking, if we have tended the earth and its creatures with a sense of humble stewardship, we will have done enough. So basically I would, I would say is that, you know, love your kids, take care of them, be there for them but don't micromanage their life if you I mean let them let them be individuals that you know but the major thing is just to love them that's yeah. the major thing.
1: Well, I definitely think you guys checked all those boxes with us growing up so well thanks Dad I appreciate you talking with me about this. I know this is kind of a, a different way to chat but
0: <laughs> it's very disconcerting it's hard it's hard it? oh it's weird. <laughs>
1: This has been the Imperfect at MD Podcast with your host, Dr. Jeremy Toffel, and I hope you enjoyed that interview and just reminding you to subscribe and leave a review, and we'll see you next time. Embrace the imperfections. My dad, Dr. Jeremy Toffel, is a pediatrician, father, and husband. The information provided in this podcast is not meant to be medical advice and is for your education and entertainment only.